Hi, everyone. I'm Chris Lean. Welcome to Industry Corner, a podcast where I discuss postal industry news to help you stay informed. On today's podcast, I discuss the details of H.R. 3076. This is the postal reform legislation that has recently passed in the House of Representatives and what this legislation would mean for the United States Postal Service and the mailing industry. So let's get into it. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. You know, perhaps it's because I'm from Minnesota, but I've always enjoyed the Peanuts comic strip created by Charles Schultz, who was also a Minnesotan, don't you know? I guess in many ways, I saw a bit of myself in characters such as Linus, Schroeder, and of course, Charlie Brown. And I'm sure you've seen the classic scene where Lucy holds a football for Charlie Brown to kick, only to have it abruptly yanked away at the last minute with him falling flat on his back. And despite doing this numerous times, he still dusts himself off and thinks maybe, just maybe, he'll be able to actually kick that ball and watch it soar. Alas, that is how postal reform legislation has seemed to have been these past 10-plus years. And each time postal reform legislation would be brought up in Congress, I always thought of Charlie Brown and that darn football, hoping that this would be the one that finally gets kicked into motion. Granted, it doesn't have to be an actual field goal to win the game. Just a chance for Charlie Brown's foot to finally make contact with the ball would be wonderful. Well, folks... After more than 10 years, it looks like we may have a real chance to see postal reform legislation pass through Congress and get signed into law. On February 8th, the House of Representatives passed H.R. 3076 with 342 yeas and 92 nays. Every Democrat representative voted in favor of it, and 56% of the Republican representatives also voted for it. So it was truly a bipartisan effort. And like many in the mailing industry, Bluecrest also sent a letter to Chairwoman Maloney and Ranking Member Comer in January thanking them for their efforts on this important legislation and urging them to continue to move forward. We support the key points of the legislation and urged every member of the House to vote in favor of H.R. 3076. And I would like to thank our letter, along with the many others that were submitted by individual companies and industry associations, actually helped to get this bill finally passed in the House of Representatives. So... What exactly is in H.R. 3076, and how does it help the USPS and perhaps the mailing industry? Well, first and foremost, H.R. 3076 removes the requirement to pre-fund retiree health care, a key provision in the Postal Accountability and Enhancement Act that was questionable at the time it was introduced in 2006 and certainly makes no sense today. If you recall, back in 2006, we had over 213 billion pieces of mail and the Post Service had plenty of cash, so perhaps it made sense to ask them to put some aside for of those funds that they had for future retiree health care. However, when the Great Recession hit, the mail volume dropped precipitously, and it put the Postal Service in a financial crisis situation where they were unable to continue paying into that escrow. And in fact, they haven't paid into the escrow for the pre-funded retiree health care for over 10 years. So rescinding this part of the PAEA, that makes sense. The second part of the legislation is for USPS retirees to use Medicare as their primary health care provider rather than continue to use the Postal Service as their primary health care provider. Now, this, too, makes sense when you consider the more than $34 billion in Medicare taxes the Postal Service has been paying since 1983 that is not being fully utilized. There is broad support for this provision, and it is certainly not a bailout, as some have called it. This is simply leveraging Medicare tax investments in the same way that any other company would leverage. And if approved along with rescinding the prefunded liability, 
That legislation together would generate more than $40 billion in cost savings over the next 10 years for the Postal Service and is foundational for their Delivering for America plan. The third provision in this legislation is to permit the USPS to provide non-postal services. Now, when I initially read this, I was a bit concerned as the primary mission of the Postal Service should be its universal service obligation for timely delivery of mail and parcels. However, as I look closer at this provision, I realized that it is only for state and local governments and not meant to be in direct competition with the mailing industry. Moreover, the attributable costs have to be fully covered by the revenue generated, so this should not have any financial burden on postage payers. And it will be interesting to see what types of non-postal services emerge, and hopefully they help local communities and strengthen the Postal Service's brand. Now, those three provisions that I just mentioned are all part of the financial reforms for the USPS. The rest of the bill focuses on USPS operational reforms and includes a number of provisions, the first of which is performance targets and transparency. Now, the Postal Service is already permitted to set its own performance targets for service measurement, as we saw demonstrate with First Class Mail this last October. But this language requires a greater level of granularity and broader transparency. It requires the Postal Service to establish a public performance dashboard via a website with an interactive web tool showing performance information for market-dominant products that is updated on a weekly basis. The website will enable the general public to search for performance information by street, address, zip code, or post office box, and it must display the information in plain language. And if this bill becomes law, and it's my understanding that we may see this new website as early as spring of 2023. Well, then we come to the integrated delivery network portion of H.R. 3076 in Section 202 of this bill. Now, this states that, and I'm quoting here, that the Postal Service shall maintain an integrated network for the delivery of market-dominant and competitive products. Delivery shall occur at least six days a week, except during weeks that include a federal holiday in emergency situations such as natural disasters, or in geographic areas where the Postal Service has established a policy of delivering mail fewer than six days a week as of the date of enactment of the Postal Service Reform Act of 2022, end quote. So, you know, two important sentences here, because if enacted into law, one, this will finally codify a six-day delivery of mail, and it also clarifies that the Postal Service must maintain an integrated delivery network. And to be clear on that last part of that language, they can only deliver less than six days a week if they're already doing that as part of an established process in certain geographic areas at the time that this law would be enacted. So it really does codify a six-day delivery for the majority of the nation. And again, that was one of the key things that PMG DeJoy had stated in the Delivering for America plan. Now, in Section 203 of the bill, there is appropriate coverage for attributable costs to market competitive and market dominant products. And if not, then the Postal Regulatory Commission, and I'm quoting again now from the, law, the bill, shall make modifications or adopt alternative methodologies as necessary. While I appreciate the concern for appropriate cost coverage with this language, and I think we all should, let us not forget that it is wording like adopt alternative methodologies that wound up with these new pricing adders that are resulting in double-digit posted increases far exceeding this uh, consumer price index urban rate over the last 18 months. See, it was language that was kind of soft like that that you heard me talk about on a prior podcast that now has expanded the pricing authority. So, again, cost coverage, very important, but I'm a little uncomfortable with the idea that uh, the, the Postal Regulatory Commission or PRC can adopt alternative methodologies because that's, that's kind of what got us into some of these problems with, with these price increases. 
But I digress. So Section 204 of the bill, that has the least language of the bill in terms of actual text. But I think it's got the biggest potential of positive relief in some time for periodical mail. Because if this language, if adopted, would change Title 39, Section 3626, subsection H specifically, if you want to check it, check it up on, on here. But what it does is it permits periodical mail to mail up to 50% of the entire publication to non-subscribers. You see right now, you can only mail no more than 10% of the publication to non-subscribers. So if I've got a magazine, or, or in this case, really, it's, it's aimed at newspapers, that I want to send out to people today, I have to have 90% of the mailing has to be for somebody that's prepaid for the subscription. So it doesn't give me a chance to really sort of, you know, get out there and, and, and try to increase my, my subscription rate or my membership for that. But this language, if adopted, means up to 50%. And I think that's a good thing. This could help periodicals grow their subscription base, uh, which is particularly important for new periodicals. So this was welcome change here. And again, like I said, one of the smallest part of the text, but a really big impact. The rest of H.R. 3076 of the bill covers, you know, things like reporting requirements, requires FLATS operational study and reform, which is arguably long overdue, provides funding provisions for the Postal Regulatory Commission, and finally ends with a somewhat odd change. Section 209 of the bill, and this is one of the last parts, would change a 1978 law, so something that's been on the books for a long time, by expanding oversight of the USPS Inspector General to include not just the U.S. Postal Service, but also the Postal Regulatory Commission. Now, as many of you know, Tammy Whitcomb is the current USPS Inspector General, having been appointed by the USPS Board of Governors on November 29, 2018. So with this change, we now have the USPS Inspector General overseeing both the regulator, the PRC in this case, and the regulated, the USPS, which is actually appointed by the regulated Board of Governors. So it's a bit of a circular reference in my mind of how this all works. But you know what? Given the extremely high level of integrity at the Office of the Inspector General, I'm confident this too is a positive change. I've, I've had the pleasure of working with a number of people in the OIG. They're an, an amazing group of individuals, highest, highest level of integrity. So while it's kind of odd to me as, as my brain grapples with this language, I'm comforted knowing that we've got a high integrity group of folks here. So a lot of changes with this legislation. I just kind of hit some of the high points with this, uh, but but I think the key points, and, and really what I see is more positive than negative, which is why we publicly supported the passing of it in the House. It fixes the financial problems created by Congress in PAEA. It corrects the Medicare and healthcare issues. It expands transparency. It helps newspapers. It codifies the six-day delivery of mail. All of this will help the U.S. Postal Service, and will certainly help the industry. And that is because with the pre-funded retiree health care rescinded that I talked about before, that effectively removes one of the pricing adders for the USPS to raise postage beyond CPI. See, right now, the Postal Service is targeting July 9th for the next price increase, which they've already sort of signaled to be anywhere between 6.4% to possibly as high as 8%, depending on mail class cost coverage. The pricing adder related to pre-funded retiree health care is about 1% of that. So we may see that pricing range drop down to slightly more than 5%, depending on the consumer price index urban rate and inflation, which sadly I just heard is at a 40-year high. Yikes. And I know a 5% price increase is little comfort to postage payers who have already seen double-digit price increases over the last 18 months. But hey, every little bit helps. Well, now that the House has passed, H.R. 3076, 
It's time to focus on the Senate. And thankfully, there may be a way to expedite things. It turns out that the Senate has something called Rule 14, which permits a House-passed bill to bypass the normal committee process and proceed directly to the floor of the Senate for consideration, which is actually quite interesting. I, I did not consider that before because normally it has to go into a committee on, on both sides and they have to reconcile the bills and it goes back and forth. And then finally, it ends up getting, uh, you know, goes goes to the floor for passing. It's quite complex. In fact, you know, it's often said it, it's really hard <laughs> to get to get laws passed here in the United States because of it. But in this situation with this particular rule, um, it can be expedited. And it's my understanding that right now, Senator Schumer is working quickly to make this happen. And if successful, it could mean a vote in the Senate on H.R. 3067 that if passed, would send the bill to President Biden to sign into law. Folks, we could possibly see postal reform legislation actually happen by the end of February. How exciting. Now, I know you're probably thinking, hey, this is Charlie Brown all over again. And you know what? Maybe you're right. <clears throat> Maybe the bill won't pass the Senate. and We'll have to start all over again, which would be like Lucy holding that football, waiting to yank it back as Charlie Brown falls flat on his back. But you know what? I'm an optimistic guy. And maybe, just maybe, a guy named Charles Schumer, which sounds similar to me to a guy named Charles Schultz, will make sure that Charlie Brown finally gets to kick that darn ball over the goalpost. Hey, folks, I want to thank you for listening to today's podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about mail tracking or how to better automate your mailing workflows, please visit us at bccsoftware.com or give us a call. As always, we'd like to know, how can we help? Thank you for listening to today's podcast and have a great day.